This episode is sponsored by Frontend Masters. They have a terrific lineup of live courses you can attend either online or in person. They also have a terrific backlog of courses you can watch, including JavaScript The Good Parts, Build Web Applications with Node.js, AngularJS In-Depth, and Advanced JavaScript. You can go check them out at frontendmasters.com. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A., Bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they give you a $2,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the JavaScript Jabber link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept the job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash JavaScript Jabber. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the provider I use to host all of my creations. All the shows are hosted there, along with any other projects I come up with. Their user interface is simple and easy to use, their support is excellent, and their VPSs are backed on solid-state drives and are fast and responsive. Check them out at DigitalOcean.com. If you use the code JavaScriptJabber, you'll get a $10 credit. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 193 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Amy Knight. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv. Quick call out to JS Remote Comp coming up in January and Freelance Remote Comp coming up in February. So if those are kind of your thing, then go check them out. We also have uh, two special guests. We have Amy... Palo Mountain. Hello. I, I can't remember if I said that right or not. You totally did. All right. We also have Jessica Lord. Hi. Do you two want to introduce yourselves? Sure. This is Jessica. I am a developer at GitHub. I've been at GitHub about two and a half years now, and I'm currently on the Atom and Electron team. And what does GitHub do again? I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're a sticker company based in San Francisco. <laughs> oh, that's right. I love the stickers. The funny looking cat, octopus, octocat. How about you, Amy? Um, so I'm Amy. I'm a, also a developer at GitHub, and I've been at GitHub for about two years. I worked on things like GitHub Desktop, um, and now I'm working on the core application team writing Ruby. Awesome. Now, we might have a little bit of name confusion here with Amy and Amy. <laughs> so I'm just thinking to myself how awesome this is because I'm pretty sure this is the first time on the podcast that girls have outnumbered guys, and it's awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You won't hear me complaining. <laughs> it's all about the smart people, right? Oh, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're all here. All right, so I'll admit I went and I looked at Electron, and it looks really, really fun. Looks like Jameson's here as well. Join in. Yeah, so um, do you want to give people just a quick overview for Electron? I mean, I could probably do it, but I would miss, I think, some essential parts. Sure. So Electron, it's an open source project maintained by GitHub, and it came to be because GitHub built, or was wanting to build, Atom, its text editor, so if you've heard of Atom, you might know that Atom is built with JavaScript and HTML and CSS. And so in order to do that, to be able to build Atom, GitHub needed this thing, Electron, to exist. And Atom and Electron have been in development for a little bit now. Um, they've been open sourced for maybe a year and a half at this point, but in development um, much longer than that. So this is prior to my joining the team, but the team tried some of the existing stuff like um, Node WebKit and Chromium Embedded Framework, and none of them were exactly the right fit for what they wanted to do with Atom. And so that's how Electron came to, one, first be needed and then be built. Um, and it was initially called Atom Shell when it was first built because really the idea was just like it needed to exist so that Atom could exist. And it was earlier this year that really Electron started to stand out on its own. A lot of people were using it. And so we said, you know, it needs its own name <laughs> and website. And so it formally became known as Electron in the spring of this year. 
Now, um, when I was looking at, at things, it looked like it works really nicely for Mac OS. It looked like it might need a little bit of extra help on Windows and or Linux. Can, can you talk about the compatibility story there? Sure. Well, it is compatible with all of those platforms. So when you are building an Electron app, you can package it up and it will work on all of those because the Atom team, the Atom, sorry, I'll use the Atom team interchangeably to mean like also the Electron team. We're just one small team doing both the projects. But um, yeah, we're all in the Mac world. And so we don't have a lot of eyes into the experience of the Windows world. And so there are more bugs that kind of come up there, but it's still completely compatible. But when bugs come up, issues are filed and we try and take care of them as fast as possible. But it definitely does ship for all platforms and the Mac App Store now too, as of a couple of months ago. So the other thing that I'm wondering here, and this goes more to GitHub sponsoring a project like Atom, how does Atom and Electron and Get and projects like that fit into the mission of GitHub? Well, so it's about building software and building software and collaborating together. And really, I mean, Atom started because it was a dream of uh, Chris Wanstrath's many years ago to use web technology to build a text editor. But also, I think in a lot of ways, Adam, it's going to start changing how we think of the development process, right? So like Adam right now is get aware. And there are some packages people have built and there's stuff we're working on now to actually do a better job integrating Adam with Git and GitHub so that more of the development experience is in the editor rather than you have terminal open and you have your web browser open and you have your editor open and you're going between all of these things. So Adam actually has the potential to kind of really change the flow of development, I think. It almost sounds like a Google style approach where they, they try and make the web better. So people will click on more ads. And if you make developing software easier, then people will make more GitHub repos and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cool plan. <laughs> I have a question about, so I know Adam for a brief moment kind of flirted with using React. Was that related to Electron at all or is that totally separate? And does that apply at all to thinking about Electron? That was a separate decision. Just that was strictly a decision about Adam and what it needed as a text editor and not really anything to do with Electron. So I think people are still building Electron apps and using React, but React ended up just being more than Adam needed. Sure. And so that's why we ended up pulling it out and are using like a node module that does like DOM diffing, which was like the core of what we needed React for. I have so many questions, but I missed the intro. So I don't want to ask something that's already been asked. <laughs> Go ahead. I kind of have, well, I kind of have more of like an intro question. So besides Adam, can you talk to some of like the good use cases for Electron for people who aren't really familiar with it? Yeah, totally. So Electron, I'm super excited about Electron, even though I appear, you know, I'm biased, but it's awesome because it, it lowers the barrier to entry and creating a desktop app. Because basically, if you can create a website, then you can create a desktop app that people can download and install on their computer with an icon, and it feels like a desktop app. There's no installation guidelines that you need for people. And so Electron at its core, it's Chromium, which is the open source version of Google Chrome, and then Node, which is the server JavaScript running on V8. And Chromium is also using V8. So Electron combines these two into, you know, a shared runtime, a shared V8. And so you basically are creating websites with access to Node everywhere so that you can do anything that you can do with Node. You can use any of the hundreds of thousands or millions of Node modules that exist now. So the scope of what you can do for, with Electron is pretty large. So Slack, Slack's window, and Linux desktop apps are written in Electron. WordPress.com cool. is now an Electron app. Let's see. Oh, Mapbox Studio is an Electron app. And so these are, you know, really substantial desktop applications with lots of features. But you can also create really simple tooling with Electron because you're just creating, you can just create a single page app in Electron and make it 
an Electron app. You can run things in your toolbar, like at the top of your screen. So like one that I love to talk about was written actually by another GitHubber, Muan Cho, and it's called Moji Bar. And it's an open source app. If you go to github.com slash M-U-A-N slash Moji Bar. Um, and it's just a super small, simple interface for searching emojis based on keyword, right? So it just basically takes one small task and turns it into an Electron app that's just a tool, just a super focused tool. And so there's a really wide range of things that you can do with Electron. There's a cool app called Playback written by Mathintosh. His name is Matthias, but his GitHub username is Mathintosh that basically creates a VLC-like video player, but uses torrents to stream torrents. You can talk to Google Chrome with, or Chromecast with it. Um, you can share a playlist. And so there's just a ton of stuff you can do, really, I think. <laughs> My friend Sam actually made a cool app called, I think it's called NPM Scripts GUI that just it just reads in your package.json file and gives you little buttons to click to run all of your scripts. Oh, it's it's a- awesome to see. I mean, it's not a fantastically complex app, but if if I were to try and build that out of like Cocoa on, on a desktop, it would have taken me five weeks or something like that. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so it's cool to see something like that more accessible to people that don't want to dive into the Objective-C libraries and stuff. Also, plus one for the amazing creative name. NPM scripts GUI. Yeah, it's impressive. Uh, it's got the Google Gee, things. I wonder what it does, right? Yeah, exactly. One of the things that I really like about uh, Electron is, and that I found hard in the past when building apps, native applications, uh, not in Electron, but in like native technologies, I found it really hard to like get a shared experience across like different platforms. And you see this, right? Where people have built an app on their iPhone and then they try and bung it on an, on an Android and, and suddenly the experience doesn't work or it isn't as clear as what's going on. You, ha- you end up having the same thing across Mac, Windows and Linux if you're not designing specifically for each of those platforms. And one of the things that the uh, Electron team has done a really good job of is where there's been shared uh, APIs like Jessica mentioned, the um, Moji bar, the thing that runs in the taskbar. Now, those are those are concepts that actually exist in, in Linux and in uh, Windows. They just are in a sort of subtly different way, right? We've got the the start menu. We've got things that are pinned to the dock. There's the same kinds of ideas, just the, the design language is a little bit different. And so the thing that's implemented really well is you have one API in Electron where you can start designing things like menu bars, um, dock icons, and Electron takes care of making sure that that looks and feels native across each of those platforms, which means that you don't have to come up with those uh, pieces of design language yourself or even really understand how they might work on each of those platforms. That's super helpful. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I watched Amy's talk from, what, Nordic.js, was it? Yeah, it was. And... uh... Yeah, I, I was really impressed with that. Like all of the doc stuff and the menu stuff, it's it's not just a box that you load a web page into. No, it's a lot more than you that. You can if you want to. <laughs> you, you can. Yeah, I'm I sure. gathered that, but sometimes I want it to do special things and it didn't look very hard to just hook that stuff up. So it's, okay, when they select this from the menu, then execute this function. Right. You know, if you were looking to build that in Cocoa and then in build that for Windows you'd be looking through, I'm going to say it, pretty obscure documentation to figure out how all of those things work. Um, you'd end up designing components that you couldn't share across each of those. You know, even if you had a shared code base, you couldn't, you couldn't share the, the code base for visually surfacing that information. There's no way you could do that. So aside from like not having to think about these things, these problems more than once, you're also only having to code them once. So it's, it's really is that right once run anywhere dream that we've been talking about for many, many years. Yeah. One other thing I want to just throw out there too is that in order to do that kind of stuff in Cocoa, specifically in Objective C or Swift, uh, you wind up doing, uh, I forget what they're called, inputs and outlets. And mm-hmm. you, you have to go into uh, Interface Builder and build it out, which isn't always straightforward. Where with huh, Electron... That's being generous. <laughs> yeah. With with Electron, it, it was really simple because you just put it in where you want it. 
and tell it how to put that menu bar together and you're good to go. So it's it's actually simpler, at least to, to, to my thinking. It's much simpler, I, I think. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. And you, you're also, so you're designing essentially websites with Node, but you also get to remove the burden of having to design for multiple browsers, which is like the problem that crops up when you're designing web apps. Um, because it's only Chromium, you just design it to work in Chrome and it works. One thing that I'm wondering about with the Chromium, I'm assuming there's some kind of web server-ish thing going on with it. Is there any way for me to view those apps, say, running the app on my Mac or my MacBook Pro and uh, load it up in a web browser on my phone? I don't think anyone has worked on that yet. People ask me all the time, like, when is it, when can you create Electron apps on phones? But I haven't heard anybody talk about successfully doing that. I know it's something we're not actively working on right now because there's not a big use case for having Adam uh-huh. like on a phone. Um, <laughs> right. I just gotta build this app, but all I have <laughs> is my iPhone. No, I, <laughs> I guess one by one, type in the angle well, brackets. What I was trying to ask, I guess, was that since it's loading it up in Chromium, something's got to be loading the page in the background so that Chromium can grab it or, you know, so it gives it HTML one way or You're the saying other. there must be a web server in there? There is must be a saying? web server in there, so I mean, can it, I use it, it as a web server? Not necessarily, right? And you guys tell us, but is there a web server built in or is it just loading like resources from file URLs? So as far as I I know, it you you give it a file URL, um, and I think the the specifics of the Chromium module is it actually it's actually just the rendering engine, so it's right. not the full full Chromium stack, um, and so I think under the hood and uh, Jessica, you can probably talk more to the Electron APIs, but I th- I'm I'm reasonably sure that the browser window inside Electron that is provided to you just delegates off to that rendering engine in order for it to be rendered. So there's no actual server involved. That's also my understanding. Like I haven't touched or looked at any of the Chromium stuff, but um, it is it is Chromium content library that we only use that portion of it. Whereas like other projects will use all of Chromium. We're just the part of Chromium that's drawing the web page. So you just you give it the HTML and it renders it. But there's just Node there available in the same process. Well, I was trying to get creative. Okay. <laughs> why, why you always got to put a server in all your things? Shut up, Dave. He's a Rails guy. <laughs> Make me feel better. That's true. You just wanted something to run Rails on, didn't That's you? That's right. <laughs> so, well, I, hang on. Oh, I've go got an interesting story here about having running servers inside of uh, Electron. So, one of the uh, apps that have been written in Electron is Visual Studio Code, which is a free code editor that runs on all the all the platforms. And they do something really interesting with their architecture. And so, what they do is so inside Electron, they you have uh, what is called these browser windows. Um, which you can spin up as many of these as you like, and they may you may tell it to actually render a physical window which you're going to put some HTML content in, or you can hide it in the background and sort of use it like a bit of a makeshift thread pool. And so one of the interesting things that the Visual Studio Code team has done is they actually spin up inside these browser windows, they treat them like makeshift thread pools, and they actually spin up HTTP servers inside of those. And the reason they do that is because all of the logic is actually written in C Sharp. So they're actually shipping binaries and then running HTTP servers, which are then called into to do all the crazy Visual Studio Code-related logic, which has already been written somewhere else, and so that means that they can share it. Um, And that sounds like a lot of overhead, right? But it's actually surprisingly not. That editor is very, very fast. They've managed to pull it off. It's kind of an interesting idea. So they'll hit a local HTTP server. I'm assuming it's using Mono or something to to run cross platform um, to I'm, to do like autocomplete and I don't know any any kind yeah. of logic stuff. Maybe totally. not. Now. They've open sourced those libraries, right? I wonder if. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it runs an Owen HTTP server inside each of those browser windows. That is Very interesting. interesting. So is the front end of VS Code written in HTML and JavaScript, or is it also written in C Sharp? I believe it's written in HTML, JavaScript, just as just the way that you would any oh, other electron application. I'm, oh, you're oh, I didn't catch that. It's an electron app. Okay, I'm yes. sorry, I must have missed that. But yeah. that's that's amazing. I'm just going to throw it's this kinda, out there. We did do an episode with Eric Gamma and Chris Diaz from Microsoft about Visual Studio Code. 
uh, on Adventures in Angular. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Cool. I will say that Adam is a cooler name. Whatever. (laughs) It's got less baggage. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So to to make an Electron app, you just run the little generator and then you just write HTML and JavaScript, right? I mean, that's all there is to it. Or am I oversimplifying? I mean, you can make it as simple as you want, right? You don't even have to write the HTML if you just point Electron to an existing website. Like, uh. create you a desktop app that just goes to a website. So if you actually wanted, like, to make certain websites that you go to all the time a desktop app and not another open tab, like, you could just create your own special one to do that. But yeah, if you just create an HTML page and point Electron to that first page, and it just kicks it all off from there. So you're just designing... <laughs> HTML pages that link to each other the way you would with a website, you just have the ability to, in that HTML page, inside of a script tag, inside of the body, you can call fs.read file and do just whatever you want with Node right there in in the HTML file and then update the DOM with that, right? So to me, yeah. that's the coolest thing is that... Yeah. <laughs> you're writing, you're updating the DOM with stuff you're reading from the user system with node dom 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 so uh, <laughs> that was cute so um, in a normal normally if i'm serving javascript code in a web server into a web browser there's all kinds of restrictions and you just mentioned one of them like normally you wouldn't be able to read files from the user's desktop but you're saying you can if you build an electron app and serve up javascript that javascript can now be executed by the node that's embedded in inside of electron and it can do all those things without the sandbox constraints Yes. Without latency going over the network and saying, please, please, please give me a file. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And you can do, pull do in you, libraries like React and Angular. Yep. Do you find that your perception of what good practices is changes? Because you, all, you, have, you probably have all this built-in scar tissue from, like, minify everything, concatenate yeah, everything, limit yeah. the requests. And it seems like it's just a whole different world where all, many of those things don't apply anymore. Yeah, it is, it is a different world. And one of the interesting things that's starting to surface where people who are now like, there are enough people building electron apps and giving talks and writing blog posts on best practices, but you have to rethink your CSS. Like you get to design your site with CSS, but then you also have to think about there are web defaults that really don't make sense in a native feeling app. So like, hovers and the way that links appear by default on a website aren't how they appear in a desktop app. So you actually kind of need to create a layer to like desktopify a website so that it doesn't feel like a website. It feels like a native app. Is there some stuff? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to give a shout out to another GitHuber has this great project called Photon. by Connors, I think he's C O N N O R S. Actually, if you just go to photonkit, photonkit.com, he created a whole visual library for Mac apps. So he's done all the hard work designing the CSS and all of that for you. And so that right there is something you could just take and start to run and creating a really native feeling app and electron oh that is so cool so it's kind of the the bootstrap of electron <laughs> yeah yes. for mac mm-hmm. the mac only yeah. bootstrap yeah electron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know why they didn't call it mac strap but whatever <laughs> that's kind of a weird name <laughs> that was on a roll too why. anyway uh, moving so on there's a there's a there's a mail client called in one by nihilus and it's really great looking and that team um, have done some really good talks about how to build a native feeling electron app. Actually, one of them talked last week at Brooklyn JS. So I'm sure if you Google for like Nihilus in one talks, you'll see you'll, they'll, they'll turn up and you'll get some good tips from the stuff that they've been doing and making it feel really 
desktop and not website-y. So we've been talking about making Electron apps look native, and that's cool, but it seems like some of the Electron apps that I use, well, actually, I only use one, and it's Slack. Uh, the web app and the uh, Electron native app, well, air quotes, native app, they look almost identical. Do you think that that's pretty common practice to make your web app and your desktop app with Electron look almost the same and maybe even share code? I think so. I mean, I think sharing code, right, is the win. So if you can do that, then why not? Unless there's some reason in terms of like experience wise, where like you really wanted to let your users know, like you're not on a website right now. But I think I think there's a lot of benefits to sharing the code and having the experience look the same. I'm I'm not so sure about um, having exactly the same look and feel across platforms. However, I think that that's something that needs to be um, taken into account. And I guess I'm probably heavily biased here because I've spent the last two years of my life thinking about how to make uh, GitHub uh, desktop on Mac look very different from GitHub desktop on Windows, um, yet still be functionally the same app. But I, I have strong feelings that when you're designing applications for various platforms that you need to take into account, you know, what feels native, the behavior that feels native, and um, you can a lot of those things you can share because there are a lot of similarities in terms of paradigm. But when it comes to the design, I guess things start to to deviate a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. There's also you know um, standards that exist in menus on Windows that are slightly different than they are in menus on Mac. And so like we've had that come up with Adam where like, do you call something settings or preferences and these kind of tweaks that you need to do because you're manually saying like, you decide if you call it settings or preferences or choices, like you can pick the word, right? So it's up to you to make sure that you're doing that in a way that it fits the experience of each of the platforms that it's running in. Right. That's exactly right. Because otherwise you end up in a situation where your users don't, you know, a name is subtly different from what they expect. They right. don't really know what that thing does anymore and they're too afraid to click it. But so, you can, okay. if you if you want to, and I feel like there might be some cases where this would be nice. Like I mentioned that video app called Playback earlier. You can strip your your Electron window of all the native, you know, elements, like no border, you can make it have no frame, no top bar, and then you can CSS style them yourself. So you could create your own sort of operating system look and feel like you don't even have to have the traffic lights that are on the top of a Mac app if you don't want to. And so you could create your own sort of language there that worked the same way across the platforms, but was not like any of those platforms. Built with was, Chromium, but completely Chromeless. Yes. I was just going to ask <laughs> a question, and I realized I didn't need to. Like, how do you tell what platform you're on, and then you can already do that in Node? Right. So so you just do that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I feel like I'm trying to, like click my brain into a different setting to figure this out because it's it's so similar to what I do every day, but it's so different in some ways. So one thing that I'm wondering about is, let's say that I get in and I want to do something with Electron and there are certain components that I think are probably already built for Electron. Are there specific plugins and things that I can pull into Electron to give it a certain level of functionality before I even get started? Oh, Amy's worked on one. Yay, Amy. Um, so, so I'm working on a project now called Electron Accelerator. Um, and the idea, so one of the things that's a little bit uh, difficult with getting up and running is you can spin up your Electron app and you can write a whole bunch of code. But then like at the end of that, what you want to do is package it up and give that to, to your users, right? Put it on the app store or, or whatever it is that you want to do, send it out. And you want to do it in a way that uh, has automatic updates enabled um, so that you can ship continuous updates. There's a whole bunch of like legwork that you need to do to get that up and running. So the idea behind the Electron Accelerator project is to provide a sort of a one, well not one click, but it's a, it's a command line utility. It's an NPM package that you install and it allows you to initialize an Electron application. It allows you to set up automatic updates for um, your various platform um, and get going kind of in a bootstrapped build system as quickly as possible. 
So I've only just started working on this. So right now um, I've got support for a Windows package and release. And next up is the Mac store, the Mac app store package and release um, system. Um, so if anyone's like feeling inclined to come and help me on that project, I will gladly accept your contributions. It's a meek whack electron accelerator. I just Googled electron accelerator and got a bunch of Wikipedia links. So yeah, I thought electrons flowed at uh, roughly the speed of light. <laughs> they don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they need an accelerator. <laughs> Clearly. So there's a, there's a module called electron packager that is simply just packaging it for the three platforms as a command line tool. Then there's electron prebuilt, which just lets you run electron from the command line. So it's actually nice to have globally installed on your computer. So if you're working on multiple electron apps, like you just CD into that directory and then just run electron dot and then start testing your app. And they're really nice tools that you can add to your NPM scripts so that you can streamline starting your app and streamline packaging it all up. So you can just do like NPM run, build all, and then it will run the commands for using these modules and packaging them up for the different platforms. Yeah, I, yeah, I could just to, just to like further encourage people to use those those modules. They're they're really really good, especially the pre built one. It turns out building the the lib content Chromium module is kind of hefty. So downloading the pre built binaries um, and having that all sort of done for you, packaged with Electron, is like the the most helpful thing in the world. So we have a webhook on the Electron repo set up for Electron pre built. So every time. A new electron release is cut. Um, electron prebuilt is updated with that release, so that's super handy. So, what kind of stuff comes out in those releases? I mean, if you can already do, you can build web apps that hook into to Node more directly. Like, what else? What are you adding to Electron? Well, we're constantly, well, constantly, um, frequently updating Chrome and Node. Because okay. Chrome and Node are updating, and so, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> so we try to stay as up to date as we can with those. So whatever cool stuff comes out in Node and Chrome, you can use in your Electron apps without having to do anything, right? So like if you're used to using Babel, you can probably not use Babel in an Electron app and still use all the S6 features you want because there's so many of those already in V8, which Chrome and um, Node are using. So there's nice things like that that come with us just staying up to date with those. Um, and then there's still, there's still a lot of like fixing of bugs, crashes that are happening in different places, things like that. And adding features. People, so there are things that don't necessarily come up as a needed feature in Atom. So they don't become like, they don't come onto our Electron to-do list, but other people find really useful to have in their Electron apps. And so we have a great little community of contributors who are putting in a lot of features for capturing screens or for printing to PDF and a bunch of different stuff. So, Oh, um, we have a new API coming out too. So the new API is currently in the latest version of Electron, but we're going to go 1.0 in like January and... That'll be our stable API. So like those changes are happening. And in that, like some of it is just like changing the naming syntax so that everything is consistent and throughout the API. That sounds like a little thing, but it isn't a little thing. <laughs> I, it's just I've a number. enough inconsistent code that <laughs> it, I don't know. Yeah, that's cool that you're going back and cleaning that up. Do you find that people get stuck in common areas or the same areas doing electron apps? What are kind of some of the pitfalls that people encounter when they get started? Aww. Nothing is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's really good at it. 
I think like one of the things that I found really hard when I got started was like getting it packaged up on all the different platforms. So like there's, there's interesting things like releasing on windows. You need to use a particular kind of archive. Um, you need to use NuGet, which is the um, package manager that runs on, on windows. Now, if you don't come from the windows ecosystem, you probably would have never have heard of NuGet before and you would have no idea where to even begin. You need to, in order to package on windows, you still, you need to have Visual Studio installed on a machine that you're packaging on. Um, and that's because it uses a whole bunch of, um, C packaging binaries that are, that come with Visual Studio. So oh, I think you, like, do you need so, a Windows machine to build for Windows? Yes, you do. You'll okay. also need, you'll also need a, well, not to build, sorry, uh, to package for, oh. uh, for release. So if no, you want, you can build all the platforms on from Mac OS. What's I, I guess I don't understand the difference between building and releasing. Sorry, packaging. Like you can packaging, yeah. You create the binaries for Windows and Linux from your Mac machine with Electron Packager. I'm positive. <laughs> oh, cool. So it sounds like Electron Packager has solved some of those problems. Yeah. yeah. It's also still confusing to figure out like all the different icons oh, so you need for the different systems what i'm specifically talking about and i should be really clear on this is is packaging for a squirrel auto update and that's because it uses the NuGet squirrel auto updating for for windows uses um squirrel for windows which runs on the back of NuGet. which means if you want auto updating you need to build using a squirrel squirrel for windows and there's a packet there is a npm package which i think is called it's on the Atom repo. I think it's called Grunt. I'm just going to look for it. Uh, let me have a look. Okay. But if you're just a lowly scrub like me and just want to distribute binaries manually, then you can do that from any platform, it sounds like. Totally. Okay. Does it also sign your uh, Mac application bundles so that you don't get the warning when you launch them that it's an unsigned vendor or untrusted vendor? Oh. I don't trust you anyway. <laughs> clicking like proceed with using this untrusted code or whatever the the name of that thing is is just how i rebel against the world so i kind of <laughs> don't want that to go away which makes me feel like i can live on the edge a little bit <laughs> off the top of my head i'm not sure i feel like i might have seen some issues come through about that but then i'm not sure so it would take someone like looking through the docs or so I, yeah i know we're I know we're having a great time with all the packaging stuff but i uh have kind of a wild change of topic is that okay <laughs> <laughs> as much as i like talking about nuget windows deploys so this may be this is kind of a philosophical question but uh Electron is all about bringing the web into desktop apps in much the same way it seems like some other platforms like PhoneGap are all about bringing the web to native-looking apps on mobile devices. But then like the corollary to that are, are things like React Native and NativeScript, which are also written in JavaScript and uh, but don't use HTML and JavaScript or sorry, HTML and CSS for their display. Are you aware of anything like Electron that's similar to that but for the desktop so that I could use native... Uh, actual native controls, but with JavaScript, is that a thing? And is that ever a thing that Electron, or is that just completely philosophically opposed uh, in the Electron community? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. If, Amy, do you know of ways to use native? I've never tried to do anything native before working on Electron stuff. You mean like bringing in native modules? No, maybe, I would, maybe like really... native UI controls more, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think that would be strange because you'd be putting because you're still re you're still pushing into the DOM, right? You've still got a DOM to work with to render to. So if you wanted to bring in some n native control, yeah, I, Theoretic I to... theoretically you could definitely import those modules. Um, you'd have to write a JavaScript bridge, but I just don't know oh, okay. how you would go about using it. But well, based on under, based on what you've talked about with Electron, it seems like that's not really part of the Electron philosophy. But if I were to start a project called, say, Proton, that you know, it's all about <laughs> native controls with JavaScript, that's like similar to say React Native. I guess I'm just saying. Is there a thing like that in this ecosystem where you can build native desktop apps using JavaScript? 
I don't, I, I'm going to chime in here because I mean, I've had conversations with the native script guys. Have we had them on this show? I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we did. did. We didn't have them on Adventures in Angular yet. I knew we were coming up on one of them. Anyway, um, but I've also talked to a few of the other ones out there and it seems like they either do what essentially what, what Electron does in that they, open up some web view and let you kind of build your interface with web components. That's what PhoneGap does. Um, yeah, it pulls yeah. in na- some native stuff, but mostly not so much. And then you've got native script and react native that actually turn around and use a JavaScript bri- bridge on the uh, mobile device to make the functionality work. And so when they are connecting to or emitting events to and from actual native components or views or things in the views, those are actually being transmitted across that JavaScript bridge and are basically native code. In fact, they are native code. They are, yeah. And so I haven't seen the same thing for Mac desktop. And, uh, you know, between the yeah, iFreak show and this show, I, I, I would think that there might be something, but I just haven't seen it yet. Can I, I just need to-, to point out that if it was called Proton, you would have to be using native technologies to build web apps for it to be the opposite of Electron. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Amy's trying oh, to chime in. Amy. Yeah, I did want to interrupt really quickly because I think not everyone is familiar with what a web view is. If you haven't done stuff for your phone, uh, like you were saying phone gap or something, not everyone may know what that is. So I can answer this just because I've talked to a lot of different people about it under a lot of different contexts. But essentially what it is, is it is a small web view, which you can think of it as almost like a small web browser without the Chrome. That's really, uh, like I said, small. So you can build applications for the phone on them by essentially creating a view that takes up the entire screen, and then you build your components into it, your your look and feel and all that stuff, usually using uh, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. But on the mobile devices, they actually consider all of the buttons and other components to be views themselves, and so you have views within views. And so essentially it's an interactive component on the screen, and when we talk about a web view, that interactive component is actually a window that renders HTML and JavaScript and CSS to do whatever job it has. It's a browser that ships with the application, correct? Right. And yeah, pretty much. It's built into the language. So in iOS, it's a UI web view. They have a newer one. I don't remember what it's called off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, that's essentially what it is. So you put it in there and then you give it either the HTML, JavaScript, and CSS to load or you tell it where it is on the web. Perfect. I just wanted to clarify that, clarify that, that for everybody. Jessica, Amy, do you have things that you'd want us to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? Um, someone should build an Electron OS. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> Just upgrade to Emacs from Adam. <laughs> Did I hear a groan in there? I can throw you off the show. No, I, I was just clearing my throat. That's oh, okay, okay. Just, just making sure. I was walking through some code today with someone in, in Vim and it made me embarrassed because it's so janky. <laughs> I like using it and then I feel bad when other people watch me use it. I feel bad when I make other people use it. No, um, no, no. Control C. <laughs> Control A. No, A. It'll go to the front of the line. Never mind. <laughs> Let me drive. I've never ripped my head around it. Yeah. You're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the Electron OS. That sounds pretty rad. Electron book. <laughs> oh, um, and if you, it's, it's really pretty easy. I know it's the worst thing to say in documentation that something is easy, but it's pretty easy to just like spin up Electron for the first time if you really just want to look at it. If you already have Node and Node on your computer, that means you have NPM. So all you do, if you go to the Electron, website adam dot sorry electron.adam.io there's a module called electron quick start and sorry actually i should publish it to npm why is it not okay i'll do that but if you clone the repo for electron quick start and you then just do npm install and npm start you get an electron hello world and so it's pretty nice and easy to see from there like oh this is literally just a web page running with, and this web page is using some node. Can and I, just, I use that to get started on Electron apps. Like I will just clone that and then go from there. 
I just want to kind of put another testimonial on this. I was trying this yesterday, followed the directions on the website, and I was up and running in a couple of minutes. It was really easy. Cool. Have people done stuff with like robotics or, or hardware hacking in Electron? Because it seems like oh. that was a big thing in the Node community a while ago. And yeah, I'm re- to have I'm more really... than just like a CLI hooked up to that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because actually Electron works on ARM devices. Oh. So that's really cool. Oh, um, wow. Sweet. Yes. There is a company called Jibo, J-I-B-O, that is building a robot that is Electron. Its face is Electron. So it's super cool. So cool. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love to see so much more experimentation in the ARM space because if you can build an Electron app that runs on ARM, then that's a whole ecosystem in which there aren't a lot of desktop applications. So so that's stuff like, is, is the Raspberry Pi ARM? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some Chromebooks. That's all, that's all I know about ARM. Oh, Chromebooks. Okay. Yeah, that's how I learned about ARM and got into this world was I bought a Chromebook and then realized, oh, this is ARM and <laughs> not like I thought it was. So I now- guess I'll run Chrome. <laughs> yeah. All that's right. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and get to the picks. All right, then. Before we get to the picks, I just want to acknowledge our silver sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Thinkful.com. Thinkful.com is the largest community of students and mentors. They offer one-on-one mentoring, live workshops, and expert career advice. If you're looking to build a career in front-end, back-end, or full-stack development, then go check them out at Thinkful.com. This episode is sponsored by TrackJS. Let's face it, errors cost you money, you lose customers, server resources, and time to them. Wouldn't it be nice if someone told you how and when they happened so you could fix them before they cost you big time? You may have this on your back-end application code, but what about your front-end JavaScript? It's time to check out TrackJS. It tracks errors and usage and helps you find bugs before your customers even report them. Go check them out at trackjs.com slash Jameson, do you want to start us off with picks? Yeah, I just have one pick today. I was going through some old music and I went on just a journey, like finding more and more stuff that each song reminded me of another one. And I ended up uh, back at this band called Autolux, which was one of my favorite bands in high school. And it turns out I still like them, even though I haven't listened to them in a long time. They have a song called Future Perfect, which is, it's also the name of an album, but the song isn't on the album that it's named after. It's one of those weird things, but that's my pick. The song Future Perfect by Autolux. Awesome. Amy, what are your picks? So I have one this week and I believe this is a little bit older, but I don't remember it ever being picked and it was really, really good. So it's called uh, Move Fast, Break Nothing and it's based on the talk, but I thought it had, it's a pretty long blog post, but it had a ton of really good insight if you're working on a large team and you have a rapid release cycle. So if you're like shipping once a day, twice a day, multiple times a day, whatever. So I will put a link into that. It's really, really good. And that's it for me. All right, Dave, what are your picks? All right, two picks today. Uh, I recently took the time to sit down and really enjoy Dan Abramov's Redux Egghead series. It was fabulous. Uh, So much good information in there. The cool benefit of doing that series is that not only will you learn Redux, but you'll also pick up a bunch of really handy ES6 tips and tricks that made me feel more awesomer. The second pick is a website called tuality.com. That's the number two, A-L-I-T-Y.com. Specifically, he uh, has an article on there called ES6 Destructuring and Parameter Handling. And I tweeted about this this week, and it is really interesting. A bunch of cool stuff that really has its roots in ES6 destructuring, but that makes the language so much better in ways that you might not expect, including passing named arguments or arguments by name to a function instead of just positionally. Super slick, uh, really great write-up and lots of really, really good, um, uh, directly applicable real-world examples, just tons and tons of code snippets. So um, those are my two picks for today. Awesome. Uh, I've got a couple of things. I did mention at the start of the show, JS Remote Conf and... Freelance Remote Conf, I forgot to mention that in May, I keep getting asked about this. Are you going to have any React React content? And the answer is yes. I have at least one talk that includes some stuff on GraphQL, and there are a couple of others that mention React. However, I decided, since I had so many people asking about it, that in May I'm going to do a React conference. So it's going to be online, and uh, it'll be the same format as the other conferences, so if you're wondering, just go to reactremoteconf.com and you can check that out as well. I'm also going to pick, I got an update on my Pebble Time Steel watch. 
and it now does fitness tracking, which is kind of fun. Uh, and I've been kind of missing that from my uh, Fitbit because I got rid of it because it was giving me a, a it was giving ir- irritating my skin. So anyway, um, I'm gonna pick the pick the Pebble Time Steel watch. Uh, Amy, what are your picks? Or other Amy, doppelganger uh, Amy. <laughs> I have one pick today. Um, it's a bit of a silly one. I recently discovered this shop on uh, Etsy called Ugly Baby. Um, and they, and like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty obsessed with the, the art on there at the moment. Um, they make a whole bunch of, um, art that they call shower art and they're kind of these like suction cup, um, they're like suction cup, like rubber things with like just old discarded toys and then like funny messages in them and they're like all glittery and they're really cool. And they've got like, uh, messages like no woman needs a hero and like, um, I, I just got one delivered today that says ring, ring, it's your butt. And it, I think it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, I, I so see. that's like my no pick. Watching yeah. <laughs> so my pick is, uh, the shower art from ugly baby. Oh no. This is amazing. Okay. Jessica, what are your picks? Try and top that. Um, <laughs> just I can't. Um, <laughs> I'm, already in christmas vacation mode so i'm just watching internet videos um and so i'm just gonna mention i watched this one from jimmy fallon this morning the best i can do is the jimmy fallon clip but it's called kid theater with tom hanks and they have like seven-year-olds write scripts that tom hanks and jim jimmy fallon act out and i teared up a little (laughs) cool (laughs) awesome all right. Well, if people want to know more about Electron or follow up on what both of you are up to, what do they do? The internet. <laughs> I am at J-L-L-O-R-D on the Twitter, and I, I tweet about the Electrons. But also, I tweet from the Electron JS account when we write blog posts and stuff. So follow the Electron JS Twitter account, and you'll see when we write blog posts about important stuff. All right. And uh, I am a meep on the internet. That's A-M-M-E-E-P. And, yeah, I have a a blog uh, as well, which is amy.palamounta.in. I think there's probably a link to it from my Twitter bio. Yeah, that's me. All right. Well, thank you both again for coming. Thanks to our panelists as well. We'll go ahead and wrap the show, and we'll catch you all next week. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Do you wish you could be part of the discussion on JavaScript Jabber? Do you have a burning question for one of our guests? Now you can join the action at our membership forum. You can sign up at JavaScriptJabber.com slash Jabber, and there you can join discussions with the regular panelists and our guests. <laughs>